I want you guys to imagine with me, if you would, a, just a beautiful spring morning. I mean, just glorious. Sun's out, not a cloud in the sky. Birds are singing. Perfect. There's a little boy. He's, uh, he's at his house. He's, he's putting his sandals on. He's getting ready to go out. He's supposed to meet his buddies down by the seashore for a day filled with adventure. So he finishes putting on his sandals. He's getting ready to head out the door. Calls up to his mom. Hey, mom, uh, I'll see you later. I'm taking off. Mom calls down from below and says, or from above and says, did you take your lunch? Oh, mom, I'm going to be late. She says, you get back in here until I've packed you a lunch. He knows there's no use in arguing. He comes back in. He sits down. She proceeds to make him a lunch. Grabs lunch from his mom. She kisses him on his head. Out the door he goes. Now as he exits the house, he stops, he grabs the bag lunch, and he looks inside just to see what mom packed him. Inside he finds five small barley loaves of bread and a couple of fish sticks. <laughs> Now he thinks about throwing it in the garbage because he knows if he shows up with his play date with his buddies with a couple of fish sticks and five barley loaves, they're going to tease him to no end. But he doesn't want to hurt his mom's feelings. She worked really hard to prepare his lunch, and so he takes his bag lunch with him, and off he goes. He's making his way towards the sea, and he notices this huge crowd of people Enormous, 10, 15,000 people gathered around, and he wonders, what's going on? What's the deal? So he goes over to the crowd, makes his way up there, and he's small enough that he kind of squeezes through the crowd, and he makes his way to the front where there's a man, just an ordinary-looking guy, but he's doing extraordinary things. The blind see. The lame walk. The deaf hear. And so he forgets all about his play date with his friends. And he just follows this man with this enormous group of people all day long, hearing him talk about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The day flies by. But then he noticed there's a pain in his stomach. He's hungry. And he remembers, ah, lunch. Mom packed me lunch. And so he sits down. He's just about to tear into the fish sticks and the, and the bread. And he notices the miracle worker and his followers having a discussion. And so he inches a little bit closer so he can hear what they're saying. And they're having a discussion about food. And how there's not enough food or money to feed everybody that's there. He looks at his lunch. He looks at the miracle worker. He thinks, what should I do? I mean, this guy, after all, has been healing people all day. I've just kind of been walking along. Maybe, maybe he would like my lunch. Maybe I could just give it to him. And at least he could have something to eat. So he makes his way over to one of the disciples that's standing there among the crowd. And he offers him 
his lunch. Now the disciple, his first reaction is to tell the kid to beat it. Get lost, would you? But he remembers, ooh, last time we shooed away a bunch of kids, Jesus didn't like that too much. <laughs> so he thinks better of it. And just to be safe, he's going to take the kid and his lunch to Jesus. And so the disciple takes him by the hand, leads him to where Jesus is, and what happens after this is absolutely amazing. Let's look at a text in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, look at verse 1. We'll put it on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible with you. In John chapter 6 and verse 1, we read an account of a story about a young boy and his lunch. And this is one of the few stories that actually made its way into all four of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in John. Not too many stories are actually recorded by each of the four authors of those Gospels, but this is a story that is, and that tells you that it's very significant. And in John 6, chapter, one, or chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he says unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. In this little portion of, of this story, Jesus looks at one of his followers, he looks at Philip, and he asks him a question. Hey, where can we buy bread so that this great multitude of people can eat? Now he turns to Philip because Philip was from this area. He was from Bethsaida, which is near where they are at this point in time. So he thinks, well, you know, Philip, you grew up around here. Where, where can we buy bread so that everybody can eat? But I, there's more to it than that. In fact, the text says that he asked Philip this question to prove him. He wants to see where Philip is spiritually. He wants to see where he is in his relationship to Jesus. I mean, he's presented with a circumstance that seems impossible, doesn't it? I mean, here you have, the, the text records 5,000 men. So conservatively, you could say there's probably, including women and children, between ten and 15,000 people gathered here. And so when you're contemplating, how are we going to feed that many people? It looks impossible, doesn't it? I think a lot of times God places us in circumstances. When we look at it through our natural eyes, we think, how is this going to happen? This is impossible. There's no way for this to happen. In fact, I think Philip's response is similar to our response when we're faced with a situation like this. I mean, Philip's looking at it totally through natural eyes, isn't he? He's very practical. He says, 200 pennyworth, which I know that doesn't mean much to us, but that's, about, that's equivalent to about six months' worth of salary. 
So if you, in, in our terms, think about giving up half a year's salary so you can buy a meal for everyone that's there. And he says, not only that, if we do that, they're just going to be barely enough for everybody to get a little. Even if we took six months' worth of salary, the best that we could do is buy enough bread so that everyone could have just a little bit. He's looking at it totally through natural eyes, just the way that you and I would. He's faced with a circumstance. It's kind of one of those throw-up-your-hand circumstances. Oh, my, this is impossible. How in the world can we ever possibly do anything about this problem? You know, in hindsight, (laughs) a better answer for Philip might have been, you know what, I don't know, but I know you're Lord and you can deal with it. That's the proper answer. Whenever God asks you a question like that, if he looks at you and says, hey, how are we going to deal with this? Go, I don't have a clue. That's your problem. Don't try and come up with a remedy. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 8, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two fish sticks. (laughs) Isn't that what it says? Oh, no, two small fishes. that's, That's what they are, two small fishes. But what are they among so many? So here, here's the boy who's come to Andrew. And Andrew kind of sheepishly, I, I, that's, at least that's the way I picture it. He kind of creeps up upon the scene with this boy in tow. And he says, uh, I got a kid here who's got a lunch. He's got five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Possible solution? But then he doesn't, he doesn't want to look stupid, right? I mean, he doesn't want to show up and go, hey, I've got food for everyone. So he quickly asks, but, you know, what, but what are they among so many? Again, totally naturalized, right? This might be a solution, but, I, you know, let me play it safe. I don't want to put myself out on a limb here and look dumb in front of Jesus and the rest of the disciples. So let me just say, well, you know, uh, but what are they among so many? You see, this seemingly insignificant lunch, the seemingly insignificant offering that this boy made, Jesus takes and does something miraculous with it. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000. Again, just counting the men, a cultural thing, probably between ten and 15,000 total people at this event. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that uh, were set down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they would. Now, notice this little progression that kind of takes place here. First of all, the little boy brings his lunch and Jesus takes the lunch. He gives it to Jesus and Jesus takes the lunch. Now, to me, that tells me that Jesus doesn't expect us to solve all the problems by ourselves. I mean, he's not looking at the boy and going, okay, you figure out how we're going to divide this up. You got five loaves, 5,000 men, so every, you know, you got to divide each one of these into a thousand pieces. You know, he's not, he's not asking the boy to do it himself. All 
Jesus desires of this boy and of us is to place what we have and ourselves in his hands so that he can do the work that needs to be done. The next thing that happens is Jesus receives the bread and it says that he gave thanks. And and other passages tell us that he blesses what was given. And as a result, it multiplies. I don't understand that. I don't know how that worked. All I know is each time he reached into that boy's lunch sack, another fish and another piece of bread came out. And he just kept reaching in and it kept coming out. He takes it. He thanks God for it. He blesses it. And as a result, it multiplies. It's miraculous. The next thing it says that Jesus gave to his disciples. Jesus received it. He blessed it. And then he takes it and he gives it to his disciples. And his disciples, this is the fourth part, take what they receive and they give it to the people that are seated in this grassy area. This shows me that even though Jesus was the miracle worker, he was the one that took it and multiplied the limited resources that they had. It shows me that God still uses human instruments to carry out his mission. He involves the disciples in this miracle. He uses them to distribute the goods and the food among these people. And the passage says, as a result, notice at the end of that it says, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. Everybody ate, they were stuffed to the rafters. I mean, they were full. As a result of what Jesus did, everyone got as much as they wanted to have. Here's, the, here's the, the, the sentence I want you to get. I want you to leave with this today, this concept in your mind, and that is this. God can take our limited resources and use them in limitless ways. God can take our limited resources and use them in limitless ways. That's what he does here. Now, I want you to contrast with Philip, that with Philip's plan. Remember his plan? All right, 200 penny worth, six months of salary. We go and we'll buy bread and everybody will get a little to eat. What happens when Jesus gets involved? His plan's carried out. Everybody ate until they were stuffed. They were full. Let's keep going. Verse 12. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Wow. So not only did he feed everyone, 10 to 15,000 people, from five loaves and two fishes. But it says that there was enough left over that they gathered up 12 baskets full of bread. Now you can look at this several different ways. One way you can look at it as teaching us about God's generosity. God always gives you more than you need. He always does. I always look at God and I'm just amazed at the bountiful blessings that he's bestowed upon my life. It's just amazing. I have so much more than I could possibly need. So we could look at it that way. We could also look at it from the standpoint of Jesus and how frugal he was. He doesn't want anything wasted. He says, don't, don't, 
Don't leave it laying around. Gather it up, and we'll take the leftovers with us for our journey. So we could look at it from those two ways. We could also look at it from the standpoint that these 12 baskets, I think, represent kind of an, um, uh, uh, an illustration to the disciples. There's 12 baskets. Each one of them could have one. Hey, take that with you, just as a reminder of what I can do. Because remember, they're standing around, they're going, I don't know what we're going to do, you know, how much you got, I don't know, I got a couple of bucks, and they're trying to figure out, what are we going to do? And here, now each one of them has a basket full of bread that they can take with them, kind of as a sermon example, (laughs) that they can look down at and go, oh yeah, I remember what Jesus did. But let me put this out there to you, and this is a, a little bit speculative, but let me say this. And and just track with me for a second on this. I find it hard to believe that in a group of 10 to 15,000 people that no one else had any food. Right? Come on. The little boy was the only one that had a lunch with him? Give me a break. Could it be that these 12 baskets of leftovers are representative of that food that was in the crowd that was left ungiven. Those people had their lunch. They didn't need to eat what Jesus made. And so it went leftover. You know there were people holding back in the crowd. They had a Snicker bar in their pocket. Give me a break. (laughs) Right? Somebody had a Snickers bar somewhere in that crowd. Let's keep going. Verse 14. Then those men... When they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. As a result of all this, Jesus' fame is increased. As a result of what happens, people know more about him. Now, we never even know the boy's name. Just called a little a lad, a little boy. His name's not given. Ultimately, the story is not even really about him. It's about Jesus. And when Jesus takes our limited resources and does limitless things with them, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about what Jesus can do through us. But let's talk about that little boy for a second. Because even though we don't know his name, I think he's a hero. I really do. That little boy, he had four options as I see it. Four options, four things that he could do with his sack lunch. The first one is, he can waste it. And if he does that, no one benefits. I mean, he could have walked out of his house, he could have looked in the bag and went, Oh, Mom, I told you I wanted Lunchables, and you packed me fish sticks (laughs) and bread. Come on. And he could have chucked it in the garbage, couldn't he have? And no one would have benefited if he had done that. Probably happened all the time. There's another option he had. He could have eaten it. And he would have benefited. I mean, he sat down, he was hungry, his stomach was growling, it had been a long day for him. He could have popped open the lunch and just started shoving in bread and fish sticks. And he wouldn't have been hungry anymore. He would have benefited. After all, why didn't everybody else bring their own lunch? Am I responsible for everybody else? i got to look out for myself. The rest of you fools can eat worms. I don't care. 
He could have taken that kind of attitude and eaten it for himself. Another thing he could have done, he could have shared it. He could have sat down in a little group, you know, hey, what a fish stick. He could have torn off a piece of bread and handed it to a little old lady. He could have shared it with the people that were seated right around him. And a few people would have benefited, right? They would have thought he was really something because he shared his lunch with them. They would have maybe had enough nourishment to get them through the rest of the day until they could get somewhere where they could buy some food for themselves. So he could have shared it. Certainly better alternative than the first two, wasting it and eating it for himself. But there's a fourth option. And that is, he could have given it. And a multitude benefit. This is the best option. He could give all that he has to Jesus and watch him take what he gives, as insignificant as it appeared, and watch him do a miracle and see thousands of people benefit as a result of his willingness to give all that he had to Jesus. These are the four options that he has. And the lesson he learned is that God can take limited resources and do limitless things in them. You know, as we look at our life and we look at the world around us, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm overwhelmed with the needs that exist. It's amazing. I mean, there's certainly physical needs. We look around and there's people that don't have enough to eat. There's people that don't have a place to live. There's people that don't have the clothes that they need to keep them warm. We see all types of physical needs around us. It almost is overwhelming. How are we possibly going to do anything about these physical needs? But it's not limited to that. There, there are emotional needs. You know people in your life, people you work with, people you live with, people that you uh, are in, live in the same neighborhood with that are emotionally needy. They're just, life has beat them up. They've been through all kinds of, of maybe an abusive situation, whatever the case may be, and there's just an emotional hole in their life that needs to be filled. And we look at that and we go, wow, I don't, I, what could I possibly do to help this person? And then there's also spiritual needs. I mean, we look around the world and we think, how, how can the gospel of Jesus Christ possibly be taken to all these six billion plus people how, how could we possibly do that? It's overwhelming, isn't it? When we stop and we consider all the needs that are out there around the world, physical, emotional, spiritual, and we look at those things and we think, what difference can what I bring to the table possibly make? I mean, all I've got is a couple of fish sticks and a few pieces of bread. What can I possibly do? What do I possibly have to offer that would make any difference in the life of anyone. But the reality is this. Every single one of us have been given something by God. We have something to offer. It may seem insignificant to us, but that's never the issue. The issue is never the amount that you have. 
The issue is always, what am I going to do with what I do have? And I think that you and I, as we sit here this morning and we look at the immense needs around us in the world, and we think about what we have to offer to maybe help remedy those needs, we have one of four options. And they're the same options that the little boy had. You can waste it. There's nothing more tragic than to see someone waste their life. To waste the God-given abilities that they have. The gifts that God has bestowed upon them. To just chuck it in the garbage, so to speak. And never use what God has put in them to benefit anyone, not even themselves. What a tragedy. We can eat it ourselves. In other words, we can consume it for our benefit and our benefit alone. This room is filled with people that God has bestowed immense talent upon. Some of you are talented or gifted musically. Some of you are, are, are gifted thinkers. Some of you are unbelievable business people. Some of you are awesome teachers. Some of you are incredible IT people. Some of you are unbelievably caring and compassionate people. And it's a tragedy when we take those gifts, those immense gifts that God has placed in us, and we use them solely, solely for our benefit. I mean, I got to take care of myself. I got to look out for numero uno. It's a dog eat dog world out there. I got to take care of myself. Let everybody else fend for themselves. I'm going to get mine while I can. And that may sound foreign to some of you, but that's the reality, isn't it? That's the mentality of many, many people in the world. I got no time to worry about you. I got to take care of business for myself. And so we use that ability that God has given us, whether it's a, a, a spiritual gift or it's a financial resource, or it's something else that you have at your disposal, some emotional constitution, and you think, well, I'm just going to use that for me. And we, in essence, eat it for ourselves. We can also share it. This is probably where most people live. Either one of these two middle ones. They either eat it for themselves, or they think, well, you know what? My mom didn't raise me that way. Let me... Let me at least share and, and help a few people along the way. Benefit them in whatever way I can with what I've been given. Seems like a nice thing. But it's not as good as the final alternative, which is to give it. To give everything that you have to Jesus. To make that decision even though what you bring seems insignificant to you. You think, well, it's not much. But here, you can have it. It's yours. The only reason I have it is because you gave it to me. Here, I'm, I'm going to give it back to you. Do with it as you will. And we watch him take it and bless it and use it 
to do something extraordinary. That's an amazing thing. And a multitude benefits as a result. There's story after story after story, both in Scripture and in history, of men and women who didn't have much, but what they had, they gave to Jesus. They said, this, I, I, this is for you. For you. Do with this as you will. The little boy didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't, he'd watched him all day do these miracles, but he, he didn't know what he was going to do. Like I said earlier, maybe he just thought, well, you know, that guy's pretty special. Let me give him my lunch, and he can eat this. And at least he'll have something to eat. But he didn't bring it with the expectation of Jesus taking that and feeding everyone. But that's what he did. But his heart was just a willing heart to give everything that he had so that Jesus could use it to do something miraculous. But so often in our life, we approach things like Philip and Andrew did. We think, you know what? Here's a boy with a lunch of two fish and five barley loaves, but what are they among so many? So you know what? I'll just, I'll, since it doesn't matter, I'll just keep it. And we miss out on a blessing. We miss out on a miracle. And maybe we try and take our few gifts that we've been given and, and help as many people as we can, but we'll never make the impact that we could if we give it all to him. If you think about life and just different people and, and the way that they're gifted. For instance, if you, if you give me a basketball, if I had a basketball, I could make a few shots. I could spin the ball on my finger and you'd sit there and go, ooh, ah. But if you take that same ball and you put it in the hands of someone like Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, they do unbelievable things with it. They do incredible things. Things that make you go, I don't know how they do that. Seriously. I mean, you look at him and you go, how did he was over here and he went over there and he did this and then that? How does a person do that? Or you take a paintbrush and you put it in my hand. You know, I could paint you a house and a little stick figure out front and maybe a green tree. But you take that same paintbrush and you put it in the hands of Michelangelo or Renoir. And you go, whoa, where did that come from? That's amazing. Or you take a guitar, you know, I could pick up Josh's guitar. I could play a couple of chords and a few songs and we might have a good time. But you take that same guitar and you give it to Eric Clapton or somebody like that. And you go, holy smokes, how does a person do that? How do their fingers move that way? When we take our meager gifts and we put them in the hands of Jesus, he can do unbelievable things. Things that you and I scratch our heads and go, I have no idea how that happened. I mean, think about the people who experienced that miracle. He just kept pulling fish and bread out of that bag. He just kept. They're going, whoa. You know, David Copperfield, David Blaine. Whoa, how's he doing that? 
the original street magician, Jesus, right? I mean, he's, he's doing unbelievable things. They're in awe. They have no clue how it's happening. That's what it's like when we take our limited resources and we give it to the limitless king of the universe and he begins to work. And you and I stand back and we go, I don't know how this is happening, but it did. And glory to him because it happened. Amazing. Unbelievable. My challenge for you this morning is simply to give Jesus what's in your bag. Whatever it is, give it to him. Let him have it. Take your meager gifts and offer it to him. And if we bring it with that heart, that generous heart that just says, here it is, I I don't know if you can do anything with this, but I'm going to give it to you. Unbelievable things begin to happen in you and through you. That's the heart that God desires for us to have. To offer him everything that we have, everything that we are, and just allow him to work in and through us. Whatever's in your bag, give it to him. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is about Moses. Everybody knows Moses, right? Charlton Heston, you know who he is. There's a story about Moses when God first calls him to go and deliver the nation of Israel. And Moses, uh, the reason I love Moses is because he's so much like you and I. God calls him, and he immediately starts to make excuses. I can't go, I don't speak very well. You know, he's just throwing things at God. I can't go, my shoelace broke. You know, I mean, he's just making stuff up. And at one point, God looks at him. And, and at this point in Moses' life, he's a shepherd. And he's got this big stick, a big rod. And he's making excuses to God. And God looks at him and says, Moses, what's in your hand? Kind of a weird question. What is that in your hand? It's a rod. It's a stick. Throw it down on the ground. And God starts to do miracles. That rod... God uses in unbelievable ways. He holds it over his head, the Red Sea parts. He throws it down, it becomes a snake. He touches the water, it turns to blood. Unbelievable things. It's a stick. It's a stick. He picked it up out in the wilderness while he was tending sheep. Hey, this is a good stick. Yeah. God says, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? My question to you this morning is, what's in your bag? What is in your bag? Every single one of you have something in your bag that you could bring to Jesus. And maybe it's something that you look at and go, it's a stick. What? It's a couple of fish sticks and some bread. And God's going, yeah, I can do something awesome through that. Give it to him. Offer it to him. Be like the little boy. And bring it with that attitude of, I don't know what you're going to do, but here it is. It's yours. You take it. You do with it as you wish. That's the attitude we need.
If we have that attitude, God will take our limited resources and he will use them in limitless ways. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for this story. I thank you for this little boy who had a heart that simply desired to give you everything that he had. Lord, help us to follow his example. Help us this morning to be willing to bring you whatever we have in our bag. Lord, it may seem insignificant to us, but we know that you're a God that can take what's limited in us and do limitless things. I pray for each and every person here. In this small little group of people, Father, I ask that you are at work. That you would burden our hearts, Lord, to give more. There's not a person in this room that's not holding back in some area of their life. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's giftedness, maybe it's vocationally, whatever it is, Father. Someone here, everyone here, has another area where they can just go a little deeper and give you something, though it seems minor. It's maybe that little extra effort, that little thing that we just bring to you with a, a willing heart that says, here, take this, use this in whatever way you can. It's in that area, Lord, that you can work and do miracles. And I pray this morning that we would leave here with nothing left in our bag. That our bags would be empty. And then we will have just given everything to you. And Lord, we don't know what you're going to do with it. But Lord, whatever it is, may it be for your honor and glory. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the chance to serve you. It's only because of you that we have anything. It's only because of you that we have the talent that we have, that we have the gifts that we have, that we live where we live, that we have clothes and food and all of those things, Father, that we tend to take for granted. It's all from you, and we just simply offer back to you what you have given to us. And we ask that you take and use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.